But Thanksgiving is great. You know, I told you our family has a, a habit of, a tradition of, of uh, saying all the things that we're thankful for. And it really does help people to uh, verbalize those things and to say what you're thankful for. And it really does make you stop and remember how great your life is. Would you mind just telling somebody next to you, your life is awesome. I mean, there are people... There are people hiking across countries to get into this country. They just want to be you. They want to be you with no car, no house, no nothing. They just want to be you standing in this country. That's who they want to be. And uh, you're already here. And we don't ever want to take that for granted. And we just want to say with a thankful, thankful heart for all that God's done. I want to continue to talk to you about, I was talking last week about reigning in life. And we were talking about the blood that Jesus shed from his crown. And we saw that in Genesis that God blessed man, but then when man fell, God cursed the ground for man's sake. And the sign of the curse on man's work was the thorn. He said, thorns and thistles it'll bring forth. And so we understand. Then he, God went on and explained what the curse on your work would be like. He said, you're going to struggle and sweat and you're going to barely make it, and then you're going to just scratch the dust your whole life, barely make it, and then you're going to die. Now, how many believe that's a curse? God said as a result of what you did, that this curse is on the ground for your sake. In other words, anything you try to do is going to be a huge hassle and full of frustration. And if, if you're not careful, you can get used to the curse and you can just call it life and say, well, you know, everything's a struggle. You just got to deal with it. God doesn't want you just dealing with it. He wants you to conquer it. That's why whenever we see the blood, we see the breaking of a curse. So when those Roman soldiers platted that crown of thorns, they had no idea. They were uh, crafting an image that we would still be looking at to this day, remembering that Adam gave away our royalty, but Jesus got it back. And that one of, the, one of those drops of blood from his forehead, how many know that no blood of Jesus was shed without a purpose. That every blood of Jesus has a voice. And we can clearly see what the voice of this was. That this blood was shed to break the curse on your work, on your livelihood. To put you back into conquest. To put you back. So I call it the blood of conquest. Because how many believe Jesus had the blood of a champion in him? Right. So when we, when we take communion, we are taking the blood of a champion into our bloodstream. And we're identifying with the blessing and not with the curse. And so when we see that, just to give you the mental picture, you can see Adam was living this wonderful, blessed, abundant, awesome life with a relationship with God. Then when Adam fell, the curse came upon him and things just went south for the rest of the Bible until Jesus came. But when you see, see the rain is, the rain is, there you go. That's the blessing right there. <laughs> it's all true. When Jesus broke that curse, of course, what happens? Well, you can revert back to the original picture, which is the garden. Because that was what mankind had when they had the blessing. They lived in the garden. Are you with me? When they so they lived in this place of abundance, which is what God wanted. It was clearly God's purpose. It was clearly God's plan. Now, some people think... Well, you know, life is full of suffering, life is full of pain, life is full of struggle, and, you know, God uses those things to teach us, and therefore, God wants struggle and pain in our life. 
So some people embrace sickness and say, well, because God can turn it around for your good, then therefore sickness is from God. And it's not. Jesus, every time you see Jesus in sickness, Jesus is confronting sickness. Jesus is not saying, well, embrace it because it's going to be a blessing to you. Even just because God can turn around something for your good doesn't mean it's God's purpose for your life. Just because God can turn struggle into character and can turn opposition into making you a better person, that's a good thing. But it doesn't mean that all of that frustration and failure and struggle is from God. you got to separate it in your mind say the curse was to struggle and be frustrated your whole life. The blessing is to live in the joy of creating with God. That's what Adam was doing. He was, he was in a partnership with God, and the blessing of the Lord, like that rain, was coming down on Adam. And we said that this blessing that comes as a result of the blood of conquest, right? Now, everybody knows, I'll say it again, the blood of Jesus was shed to pay for our sin and to bring us into heaven. Is anybody happy about that? But is anybody here in heaven yet? No. You might act like you're in heaven sometime, but you're not. Because we are, we are in heaven by faith in a sense. We've, we've, but there's a long distance between here and heaven, isn't there? That distance, the blood of Jesus, that distance is called your purpose in life, your destiny. And the blood of Jesus not only took care of your eternity, but it took care of you having your divine purpose on this earth so that you wouldn't... What was that sound? <laughs> Am I going to live through this? I think I will. <laughs> That's weird. Anybody ever snort and catch yourself snorting like, what the heck? Where did, I want to plan that ne that never happens again, but I don't know why. But you get the idea that, that, that Jesus, we have to put ourselves in the position that there was bloodshed that speaks to us in this journey and brings us into our destiny. Does that mean everything goes right? We never had any problems? No, it doesn't mean that. But it does mean this, inside of you, heaven is inside of you. Didn't Jesus say that? Jesus said the kingdom is inside of you. That even though you might face some difficulties, you're never in, in your mind defeated. You're never in your spirit despondent or depressed or giving up because heaven is inside of you. You are living in this kingdom. Even though everything around you might be going to hell in a handbasket, there's heaven inside of you because of what Jesus did. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. <laughs> I would like to tell you, I'd like to tell you that you're not going to have any problems. But the blood of Jesus was shed not to take care of the problems for us, but to teach us to overcome the problems. You heard me say it before. God changes men and men change their world. 90% of the time, that's a weird statistic or a, a figure, you know, or a percentage. I don't really know the percentage. But generally speaking, God changes men and men change their world. He wants you to become like him. So he can't just do everything for you. He has to equip you to take care of things. And the biggest place you conquer is in your head. Isn't it interesting that the crown was on the head of Jesus? Because conquering is in the way you think. Winning is a habit of thinking. How many wish we still had Nick Saban as our coach, even though you might hate him? Some of you kind of hate him, but like... It's like, it's like you're jealous of the girlfriend you lost even though she's married to somebody else now. I hate that girl. You know you still wish you had that girl. <laughs> right? And so what we didn't like about Nick Saban is he had a habit of winning. He thinks like a winner. 
Like last, last, you remember last uh, championship, they were behind getting beat by Georgia. He puts in a freshman running back and a freshman quarterback. Nobody does that. Uh, yes, winners do that. People who don't care about winning would just keep playing the same guy, say we're going to lose this game. He said, no. Nah. See, winners, look, winning or success is a habit of thinking. Losing is a habit of thinking. If you think like a loser, I heard, heard someone say it's really true, that men create philosophies to justify their failure. If you accept their philosophy, then you accept their failure also. I could even say it this way. Men create doctrines. Christians do it. Doctrines to justify their failures. If you accept their doctrine, then you accept their failure because how you think is going to determine whether you win or lose in this life. And I'm not talking about riches and all that. I'm talking about your purpose. You could die a wealthy man and a failure. It's not about getting money or riches. It's about your purpose, the thing that you were born to do. If you die without accomplishing it, you died... You lived in vain. And so the blood of Jesus does not, not necessarily make everything easy, but it puts conquest inside us. Everybody just lift your hand and say, I have conquest inside of me. <laughs> See, that's why we didn't rub the blood of Jesus on our head. We drink it because it gets inside of you. He wants to get his victory inside of you. He wants to get that old grumbly, mumbly, I want to quit. I feel sad. Poor me. He wants to get that outside of you. He wants to get some get up and go. He wants you to get up and conquer this thing. He wants you to get in touch with a part of you that says, I'm not just going to sit here and take this. I'm going to rise up and do something about it. See, that's the Jesus inside of you. The world is always saying, just get tired and die. But the, the, the reason his blood was shed was so that we would change the way we think and we begin to change the atmosphere with our words and we begin to change the world around us with the power of God. Not magic, but something inside of us that really changes, that really begins to transform, transform the atmosphere in our home, in our business, in our head so that we can live as a light in the world, an influence in the world. That's what the blood of Jesus does for you. And we said that the, the three keys to reigning was first, relationship with the king. If you didn't get that, it's on the website, uh, on the podcast last week. Get it, because it's awesome. If you do that, it'll change your life. Today, I'm going to talk to you about blessing all the work of your hands. That's what we're talking about today. Tomorrow, next week, I mean, we'll talk about wisdom and decision making. But it's those three things that bring this on our life, bring blessing on our life. Today, I'm talking to you about blessing on all the work of your hands. The crown of, on the head of Jesus was to teach us that conquering in life is a way of thinking. Failing in life is a way of thinking. Jesus broke the thinking of failure and you inherited the thinking of succeeding. Look at somebody and say, I don't care where you are, you're a success in God's eyes. See, the moment you start seeing yourself the way God sees you is the moment that you start conquering in this life. The moment you remove the limits of what color your skin is or how old you are or what your body looks like or what talents you have, the moment you start removing those limits, the mo that moment you tap into the wisdom of God and begin to release your potential. Genesis, let's read the blessing. Genesis 1, 27 through 28. So God created man in his own image. 
And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. Everybody say, I'm blessed with the blessing. Now, I want you to understand that there was a curse that came, but that curse was broken. So this blessing is in force. This is what God said. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful. Not try to be fruitful. I like, uh, uh, is any Star Wars uh, people here? Not that, that many. Okay. Well, Yoda said something wise. He said, don't try, do. He said it in his way, and I can't say it that way, but you know what I'm talking about. He said, don't, you don't try something, you do it. Jesus said, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful is what you are. Fruitful is what you are. Multiply is what you do. I don't care if it's in your ministry, your finances, your business. You have to be fruitful, which means to be grown up and mature, and then to multiply yourself. And to not keep doing the same things over, but invest in generations is what that means. Are you okay? Fill the earth and subdue it. Listen to what God blessed man with. Fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves. God said, you were born for dominion. You were born to rule. You were born to be the head and not the tail. That's what's inside of you. You were made in God's image, in his likeness. You were not made to be an undergoer. You were made to be an overcomer. Whatever comes against you, you just got to rise up and overcome that thing. That's what it means to be in God's image and his likeness. It doesn't mean just believing things. It means living a certain way that says, I'm going to conquer this thing. Man lived in extreme blessing until the curse. Let me just give you these points. Number one, one, the blood from his crown, the crown of Jesus, reversed the curse. With the blood from his crown, Jesus reversed the curse. Let's say it together. With the blood from his crown, Jesus reversed the curse. The crown becomes a picture, that blood that came down and hit the ground. God said, that curse that was on the ground for your sake is broken. Now, it didn't just say it was broken. It says reverse the curse. And that's, some people think, well, you know, all I do is at church today, I just broke. We just, with the blood of Jesus, the curse of poverty, the curse of failure, the curse of struggle, the curse of depression, the curse of lack is broken off of my life. Now, that's a powerful thing just to say it. But to have a broken curse is, is only halfway there. He didn't just break it. He reversed it. What used to be cursed is now blessed. That's a whole, that's a whole turnaround. And it's, it's important that you understand that he didn't just break a curse. What used to be cursed is now blessed. It is reversed. What used to be horrible struggle is now extreme blessing. Now you got to know what you want or you won't receive it. you got to know what is coming to you or you won't reach out and take it by faith. You are not living just with a broken curse. You're living in extreme blessing. Tell somebody I have extreme blessing on my life. So what does it really mean? So, so when we're praying, what does it really mean? You have to believe, you have to visualize, you have to envision that not only are you going to make it, you're going to have to 
set a goal out there to say, I'm not just going to make it. I'm going to live in extreme blessing in my marriage, extreme blessing in my children, extreme blessing in my physical health, extreme blessing in my uh, business, extreme blessing in every... Why? Because this is what God said I could have. This is what Jesus paid for. I heard someone say this is a great quote. It said, uh, most people don't suffer from setting a goal too high and not reaching it. Most people suffer from setting a goal too low and reaching it. I'll say it again. Most people don't suffer from setting a goal too high and not reaching it. They suffer from setting a goal too low and settling for it and reaching that thing. When they say, you know, I just want to have an all right life and get by. Okay, what a great goal. hate to be sarcastic, but seriously. Because Jesus paid for you to have better. You have to dream better. Well, I mean, you don't know my husband. I know the blood of Jesus, though. Well, you don't know the situation. You know, my, my mama had sugar diabetes. My grandma had sugar diabetes. That doesn't mean you have to have it. That curse is broken. You got to get that out of your mind that your life is just one big step toward the grave. Your life is one step toward glory. So the blood of Jesus reversed the curse. Genesis 2, verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord made, say it again, and out of the, Lord, out of the ground the Lord made, say it with me, say made. made. Ah, out of the ground the Lord what? Made. made every tree to grow. That is pleasant in the sight of, to the sight and good for food. Now, I want you to see that it's in the middle of that. This is a situation I talked about earlier when I talked about the offering. It's, it's one thing to try. It's another thing to have God making something grow. Because, you know, you can sow seeds to your children, but you can't make those seeds grow. You can sow seeds in your finances, but you can't make those seeds grow. You can sow seeds at the people at work and try to lead them to the Lord, but you can't. Only God makes something grow. you got to get that blessing on you that not only do I sow seeds, but when I sow seeds, those seeds, God makes those seeds grow. I don't know, man. God made it grow. I mean, that's the, like when you think of the blessing... It looks exactly like that. The blessing is God makes it grow. Well, how are you doing? God makes it grow. Whatever I set my hand to is blessed by the Lord. God makes it grow. My children grow. My marriage grows. My business grows. My church grows. My ministry grows. Growth, my life is marked with growth because my life is marked with the blessing. Everything, come on, say it with me. I just want you to believe it. Just Even if you don't believe it, just say it one time. Just say, everything I set my hand to do is blessed by the Lord. See, some people think that you have to work for it and earn it. Other people think that you have to be holy enough to get God to bless you. How many of you know many of you are not going to get blessed if it's your holiness that's going to get it done? Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. You can just go ahead and check out. you just like, I ain't going to be blessed. If, God, if you're waiting for your God, you to be so good that the Lord is going to bless you, how many of you know most of you are just not going to be blessed? But thank God for the blood of Jesus. It doesn't have to do with how good you are. It has to do with how good he is because he made you righteous with his righteousness so you don't get what you deserve. You get what he deserves. 
He took the punishment that you deserved so you could get the blessing that he deserved. I know it's not fair. It's grace. I don't know about you. I don't want justice. I want mercy. I don't want justice. I want grace. I don't want it to be fair. How about you? I don't want this to be fair. I just want it to be love where God says, you know what? I know this guy's got problems. I'm going to bless him because of what Jesus did. And some people, they disqualify themselves because they think I can't have it unless I do this and this and this. Listen, you got to release your faith toward what the blood of Jesus did for you. It is just that simple. That is the covenant. God made it grow. Now, point number two. Applying the blood from the crown is breaking the curse and calling forth the blessing. I wanted to put that as a point because I wanted you to understand it's not enough to say, thank you, Lord, that the blood of conquest applied over my family, it breaks the curse of struggle, poverty, and lack. Come on, say it with me. Say, Lord, thank you. I apply the blood from the crown of Jesus over my business, my family, my ministry, and my whole life. Okay, that's good. It is true. Because Jesus' blood does that. It really does. But that's, you're, you're not all the way to the reverse. To reverse the curse, you say, and I'm calling forth the blessing. And I'm calling forth the blessing from my ground. I'm calling forth the blessing from the seeds I've sown. See, that ground is nothing until something comes out of it. That seed has to be watered with something. You have to put a seed in the ground, then you have to water it. That water comes from your mouth, things that you believe. You say, you know what, thank God I sowed that seed. I thank God I sowed that. I'm believing. I've I've taught my kids right. And even though they might be doing wrong right now, I'm calling forth those seeds to come forth. They're going to remember. They're going to turn back to God. They're going to serve God with their whole life. I sowed those seeds, and blessing is coming forth. Point number three, we participate in the process, but God makes it grow. We participate in the process, but my God makes it grow. My, my, um, I, my original pastor, he's the superintendent in the Assemblies of God. He, he gave me the first chairs and the first $50 started church. He said, remember this, Pastor Bray. He said, pray like it's all up to God and work like it's all up to you. I never forgot it because it's so true. You pray like it's all up to God, like the increase only comes from God. And you work like it's all up to you. You sow those seeds. You work super hard because like it's all up to you. Look at Deuteronomy 28, 12, and 13. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens to give rain to your land in its season, to bless all the work of your hand, and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you shall be above only and not beneath. Listen, here's a big word. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and be careful to observe them if you is an important term because God is in the garden of Eden God was a partner with Adam your success is going to be you and not just entering to a blessing but participating that you're going to need to do the things God tells you to do it's not magic it's not like boom everything just worked out no it's you saying okay Lord just tell me I remember it was yesterday it was actually at Thanksgiving the Lord there was a particular situation uh, that was an unfruitful situation. And Don uh, came to me, and I had it in my heart. It kept coming in my heart. You need to do this. It was actually somebody I needed to call, something I needed to say. 
And it kept being on my heart, and I kept thinking, this is not God. This is humiliating. I, this can't be God. But it kept coming to my heart like, man, maybe I'll just tell Diane, see if it sounds right. So it's it just over and over in my heart. See, this is what a partnership is like. Over and over in my heart, just, I felt the Holy Spirit say, come on, man. You need to just do this today. And I was like, ah, it's Thanksgiving. The kids are here. And, I, it was, and then Diane just stopped me and said, you know what? I believe we need to do this and say this. And I was like, that's so weird. I couldn't get that out of my mind all day. See, the blessing is a partnership with the Holy Spirit where you have to obey so the Lord can bless you. You have to allow, Brother Pastor Bray, I heard it, heard it wasn't about, uh, about me. Listen, it's not about your holiness. It's about your obedience, though. It's not about you being the perfect, saying everything right, but it does mean if God says, uh, do this, do it, because that's how God's going to bless you. That's how God gives you ideas and inspirations. you got to be the person who will jump out. I told Diane this yesterday. I said, look, Diane, God knows. Because she was, she was laughing. She said, wow, you really mean this, because she saw I did it a bunch of different ways. She said, wow, you really mean this. I said, look, I don't know if I have a lot of virtue, but I know if God tells me to do something, I'm just going to do it. Because I know it's, it's scaredy people that are too afraid to step out. They're the ones who end up living small lives. Big lives comes from big faith. People saying, I'm just going to do it. God said, do it. I'm just going to do it. And I'll give you, let me give you the last uh, point and write this down. The blessing comes upon us and overtakes us with diligence, patience, and unwavering faith. The blessing comes upon us and overtakes us with diligence, patience, and unwavering faith. I told you it wasn't magic. And many Christians, you know, they want to throw me something, Mr. God, you know, where God just makes everything wonderful because, you know, you gave an offering and you, you said something. And then, you know, 15 minutes later, you might have canceled those seeds by some negative thing you said. And God, you know, you just, some people, you know, they don't fail the test. They just keep taking it until they pass. They just keep taking the same test over and over. God keeps giving them more and more chances because they are not diligent. They don't stay with it. They are not patient. They get impatient. This is what the scripture says, Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 3. Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commands, which I command you today, that the Lord will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you. And overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Everybody say, it's coming up on me. It's overtaking me. Notice, people are not chasing blessing. Blessings are chasing people. If you do the right thing, if you'll just do the right thing, if you'll just keep doing the right thing, you don't have to worry about chasing after money, chasing after love, chasing after things. You can just chase after God and what God is telling you to do, and things are going to come chasing after you. The right woman's going to come chasing after you. You're going to have the right husband, the right job. The blessing is going to overtake you. Now, see, this, does, this implies you got to stop being immature and just doing stuff. I heard somebody the other day, they were, they were kind of sliding it past me. They were, they were in a financial situation. It's a bad situation. And they were like, I'm just thinking about not even paying that note. And I was like in front of people because so I didn't want to say, dude, God has a better way for you to handle this than just giving up. This is your chance to conquer and you can just quit paying the note again. Hadn't you had enough of that? 
God has a better solution for you than giving in and giving up and you being impatient. I'm just going to borrow the money. Come on, man. You're going to keep being that guy? Are you going to be the person that steps into something new, something better, something stronger? You're going to have to become one. I'm going to tell you this story that I got we got to have communion. My, my grandson's name is Jackson, and there's his grandparents back there. Wave at me back there. They're awesome. And he's an awesome kid, you know, but he will tell you what he thinks. And he's sincere. Becca was telling me the story that I was loved it so much. Uh, but this is perfect, you know. He gets scared. He has his own monster, you know. He has a name for it. But he gets scared at night like many Christians do. And um, not Christians, many children do. <laughs> and, and so Jackson was in his room. Becca was trying to help him overcome fear. And, and she was saying, okay, Jackson, listen, when you feel afraid, you just need to sing this song. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. And she taught him this song. And, of course, he knows it. I heard him the other day. Jesus, Jesus. She said, he told me, he said, every time I get afraid, I just sing, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus. But she said the first time she taught him that, she said she taught him the song and said, whenever you feel afraid, sing this song. And so she sang the song with him, and then she turned out the lights and closed the door and walked out and she heard him singing Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus you conquer fear and then he said it's not working <laughs> he was like I'm trying it one time but if it doesn't work I'm out, you told me you told me if I said Jesus, Jesus, it was gonna, if I was going to be afraid, it's not working that's exactly how most Christians do this thing. They say the thing with me on Sunday morning. They have the moment where they just believe God. And then one little thing comes against them. It's not working. You have to be diligent. It's not just trying it, it's doing it. You gotta do it. You gotta get up and make those donuts. You gotta get up, you gotta finish what you started. You gotta get up, you gotta press in, you gotta press over. God doesn't have to make it easy for you. You have to become diligent to finish. Anybody can be a quitter, but a conqueror is not a quitter. Patience, patience, finish, finish. See, it, 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 God said if you will diligently, not the first time you try it, but if you get diligent, suddenly, guess what? You're going to have those kids start serving God. And suddenly you're going to have blessing comes in your finances. Suddenly you're, you've been going to the health club and you still look terrible. Come on, somebody. You've been going to the health club every single day and, and everybody thinks you're gaining weight. Come on. And you're like, I'm throwing my shoes away. Look, you keep going. <laughs> Have you seen everybody at the health club? Nobody looks good at the health club, hardly. But you know what? If you keep going pretty soon, a year later, you're going to start looking a little bit better. And all the people who quit are going to be making excuses just like last year. But guess what? You persevered. You finished. You didn't give up. You didn't give up. You held on to the word of God. You held on to the promise of God. And now you're entering into the blessing of God. It overtakes you. It comes upon you. Everybody said the blessing's coming upon me. I love that story. God gave Adam a garden of trees. You say, well, you think God gave him a, a garden of tomatoes. No. 
God, God gave him a garden of trees. Do you know how long it takes to grow a tree? You don't put that seed in the ground and suddenly you've got oranges. It takes three to, to 10 years. Apple trees take 10 years. Many fruit trees from a seedling you can get in three years, you can get um, some fruit, a first fruit they call it, but it doesn't come into full fruit many times for seven years. In other words, God gave Adam a job that said, you know what? You're gonna have to trust me on this. You can't just say, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? You don't get fruit like that. You get fruit saying, you know what? God said, plant this thing, keep it, and just keep watching. Watch it, and pretty soon, pop, 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 oranges everywhere, boom, boom, lemons everywhere, apple. Pretty soon they had, they couldn't, they couldn't stand it. They had so much fruit because they understood that the blessing overtakes you. It's not magic. It's staying with what God called you to do.